0: Welcome again to Bedard's unofficial St. John's podcast. I'm your host Pierre Bedard. With me today are Richard DeCandolle and Crazy James Wagle, three old boys with slightly different attitudes.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Richard DeCandolle. I attended the school between 1962 and 1968. Um, the school had been founded in 19 or not founded, but had become a full time school in 62. So I was there from the beginning, um, and in Later in life, I became a journalist and worked for 30-plus years in weekly papers in Alberta and British Columbia, and uh, I've been doing freelance writing since then, on and off. Thank you. James? I'm uh,
2: Crazy James Weichel. I went to the Alberta School from 1986 to 1989. I live in High Prairie. I have been a salesman. I've been a politician. I have written a column in a newspaper. And I've done my own podcast.
0: So before we start, I really need to remind everyone that this podcast is made possible only by your purchase of Richard's book, Toughest School in North America, a fantastic memoir that's been racking up nothing but fives on Amazon, uh, where you can find the book exclusively worldwide, either on Kindle or printed. So today we're gonna talk about something that impacted all of our lives uh, at St. John's, which is food. Uh, We're gonna talk about the kinds and types and varieties of food we were served uh, while we were at the school, which I think should make for some interesting memories for all of us. So I'm gonna kick it off and uh, ask Richard uh, to talk a little bit about what uh, the standard fare was uh, when he went.
1: Yes, uh, Charlie Race uh, was the cook when I went to St. John's and he had been a Canadian army chef. Well, I guess I should use that term a loosely. Um but he was used to uh, feeding the troops so to speak. And as a result, I think what we we ate was very similar to what the boys in the Canadian army ate uh during World War II. Uh out in out went out on the uh on the field. Um it was it was pretty solid food and there was mostly lots of it i would say certain certain meals and certain times of the week it came away a little empty but uh i uh, enjoyed things that in, you could always look forward to a roast beef lunch with potatoes and corn uh for, on the day of the snowshoe run it, and it was a fabulous lunch that he would put together i always remember that and, and of course really needed because considering you were going to be out in the 30 below weather for six hours or whatever it was going to be his breakfasts were pretty uh notorious as well um we always had porridge pretty well every morning i would say and but he'd cycle through red river cereal oatmeal and this cornmeal which uh from my point of view was pretty disgusting it was a well it is cornmeal i guess and of course uh, it's funny, in, later in life you enjoy all these things because you can do it right, but uh, nobody liked his cornmeal bread um, uh, porridge, and the problem was that if the bowl that was set out on each table and, and served to the six or eight boys sitting at that table wasn't empty and brought that em- back empty to the kitchen, you didn't get the eggs that were coming up next and the togs. And, uh, So you had to be pretty creative some days uh most of the time and how to get rid of the the uh the cornmeal porridge so you could get your eggs and and he was wise to a lot of that and the fact is a lot of it ended up back in the kitchen unfortunately that was not the end of it and he had a variety of means for recycling this particularly that porridge and used to well it came back as um, johnny cake i guess which wasn't all bad uh, and that would be our dessert the next day at lunch and he would serve it with um good old saint john's syrup which was basically um, brown sugar in hot water uh, mixed up and that was that was what they called syrup and you'd get that on uh, on the uh, on the johnny cake and still it wouldn't necessarily all go and it would usually make one final return, um, probably the following day, when he would mix. It and we'd have a jello dessert uh, mixed with this uh, chopped-up Johnny cake, and you you were pretty much forced to, to eat it, or you could eat around it. But it it I, it was funny. I didn't how he how creative he could be in 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 bringing this and finishing it up. The other thing that I, I I'll finish on this because you guys can need to talk. But uh, the one thing that really amazed me was um, when we had a pancake breakfast, often he'd overdo it and there'd be a lot left um, uh, at the end of the meal. And then he put them out at recess and people would come down and eat. And You know, we were pretty hungry at recess. You could go and grab some cold pancakes. You didn't get any butter. You didn't get any jam. You didn't get anything on it, which I do now. Uh, or actually we eat them, but, um, and people would eat them because they were, you're hungry, but they also became ammo uh, up in the classroom for the equivalent of a spitball war. And um, so I don't think the cook ever saw any of that, but uh, he certainly wouldn't have appreciated what happened to uh, his, his, his pancakes uh, on many occasions. I'll turn it over to you, Pierre.
0: Well, I, you know, for me, I actually worked in the kitchen when I first got there, but uh, this is sort of disgusting, but I came up with all these infections, God knows where I got them from, and they booted me out of the kitchen as soon as I uh, saw that, I think it was uh, Mrs. Mo or Mrs. Hoag who uh, booted me. Uh, Charlie was gone by that time, but I still have shots of me uh, in the new boy, uh, you know, clanking out porridge into a bowl and uh, being on the serving line. To me, I loved breakfast. I always have. But the most disgusting thing about breakfast, and I'm going to, you know, apologies to everybody, but I need to say this for the record. Who the hell drinks milk in their tea? Okay, that's bad enough. But when you create tea, you put, you know, the way they'd make tea is they put milk, sugar, and boil it in this big vat, and then throw the tea bags in at full boil. So the tea bags would explode. I mean, there was, you know, so when you got your tea, it was essentially just a a cup full of milky exploded tea bags uh, that, you know, essentially was ridiculous. And in my time, you could only drink coffee if you were a grade 12 or a master. Uh, Anybody else, it was just verboten, uh, probably because they didn't want the expense of having to buy all that coffee. Uh, So I really loved sneaking a good cup of coffee uh, from the grade 12s when I could. And uh, that was certainly a good treat. Overall, the food, the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten, and I still think about it to this day, is fried bologna and cabbage. I mean, to me... That you know when I I I, anyway I just having said it I'm retching, and you know Alberta must have been a lot better, James.
2: Well, when when I went to the Alberta school, we had a cook. She was there Monday to Friday. Her name was Mabel Gregoire. You did not mess with this woman. She would kill you. She'd tell you she'd kill you. We didn't want to end up in the stew, so um i i don't know where she was from um i don't know if she was from um like jamaica or the caribbean or somewhere down there um but you know just she was a wonderful human being um but you didn't mess with her there are some things that because of saint john's i will never eat again uh first and foremost amongst that is grape jam on my new boy hike when they wanted us to have a little burst of energy here you go and 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 they had like flats upon flats upon flats of this sunspun grape jelly and like we ate so much of that i just once i was done my new boy i think since then i've had grape jam twice and that was by accident both times um the other another thing is peach juice We would get the boxes of juice that had four of each flavor. And I think it was uh, orange juice, apple juice, cherry, fruit punch, and peach, I think is what was in there. Maybe there was another one. But nobody liked peach juice. So we'd go through a box and do everything except the peach. And into the back of the room it went. (laughs) Well, Miss Gregoire found where we'd been hiding this. And she said, in her very distinctive accent that she would, she refused to order juice until we had gone through all of that juice. And then she would order juice again. But the first juice we were getting out of that new batch was going to be this damn peach juice. So it took weeks. That's how much there was. Um, And quiche. I don't know what they did. It, you know, I, I like pie. And I like omelets, but I don't like egg pie. I will not eat quiche. I'm just, it was just nasty. And the thing about the juice was, this was, uh, were either one of you ever in the Alberta school, even just to visit?
0: I visited. Okay. Richard, I'm sure he's been there. Okay. So
2: our juice was made in like the biggest garbage, literally it was a garbage can on wheels and uh, the juice paddle was was used to to stir it. That's what Miss Gregoire would beat you with. Um, she had no qualms about that. But uh, I don't know how many gallons there was in there. But you know, we'd make this juice in there. But coming from the kitchen into the dining room, there was a bit of a slope. You know, the and where the tile came together, there was a ridge. And you had when you took the juice barrel down, you had to be really careful with it. Well not every time but i think three or four times during my time at st john's somebody was coming out of there it was really full they're doing it by themselves they're doing it a little bit too quick roll it gets the edge down that little slope and then physics took over and the whole floor is covered in this nasty sticky juice like it would take days before they could mop the stickiness out of it. Um food generally not bad, I guess. Uh Miss Gregoire was a, a great cook. Um cooking for a small army of boys. She uh she she did the best that she could with what she had. And, um she when I think about St. John, she is one of the people that I think about.
0: I, with something you brought up about the juice, I mean, I remember when we, when we were snowshoeing, uh, and I say this because I have type 2 diabetes, uh, when we were snowshoeing, they'd hand us glucose pills, thinking that some, you know, for energy, you mentioned grape jelly, but you'd get these glucose pills that came in like, uh, they look like Pez, you guys know Pez, uh, the candy dispenser, Uh the same, in fact, you could probably put them in Pez dispensers. And you know they'd keep us you know hopped up on that. The other thing about juice, I learned how to drink juice and watered down Kool Aid at St. John's, something that I've done my whole life. And I have one disgusting story on that. We're at midpoint on the fifty miler, uh, the snowshoeing run, <clears throat> and I didn't eat. I couldn't eat, so all I did I, I must have drunk. I mean, it it wasn't a gallon, but it had to be a gallon or it felt like a gallon of uh kool-aid so leaving you know the 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 stop right the food stop um i just felt sick as hell and i literally puked all this kool-aid into the snow and it was like amazing the colors i mean you know you you go into don't eat the yellow snow well shit don't eat the uh multicolored Uh, kool-aid snow either Uh, but you know what after that i felt great
2: (laughs) i should hope so (laughs) you know it's funny you mentioned the juice on that on on the snowshoe races and this is again where i benefit from your suffering so thank you again gentlemen um when i was doing my snowshoe racing um they'd done away with with juice at the stops and they, they went with just hot water and, you know, it was 30 below dehydrated. And people have asked me before, and it's come, what's the best thing you've ever drank? It was a cup of hot water. It was amazing. You know, when you're cold and dehydrated, that's, that's what you need. And, and it just like, it, it, it warmed me up. It tasted good. And I felt so much better afterwards. So
0: well, you lose heat. Uh, you know, it's like eating snow, right? Is the worst thing you can do because your yeah. your body is uh you know losing heat trying to melt it. Yeah. yeah. Uh so, did you ever take advantage of the meat room, uh Richard, in terms of food?
1: I'd have to say no. Um not quite sure why. It it, I guess it was my last year. Uh, at the school well, last year and a half, but I know that you know. I mean, when you've got bacon products and ham products and and other cured products, it seemed like that there would be a, a temptation to help yourself or uh, sneak some out and into your locker because it was it was pretty tasty product, if I recall. Um, but it was never never served as on on a, at the in the dining room. The cook would never serve ham i don't think from there or bacon actually i don't ever remember having bacon at the school now that i think about it um so those products uh were strictly for for sale only i guess on an official point of view um and i i'm i'm guessing that uh some of the bush kitchens that boys had had going where they'd uh, be cooking their um their french fries out in the in the in a uh i guess it was probably a canoe trip pot eh? a bucket that they would get out of the pot the canoe trip room and and fill it with a little bit of oil and and that sort of thing and they'd also have a frying pan and cook up some fried, uh, and fried mm. bacon and uh and ham but i uh, did you i do you recall oh yeah
0: i mean um, if it was smoked it was cooked and I would like get some protein. I would take a, you know, thin slice of back bacon whenever I could, not all the time. Yeah. And of course, by the time I was doing it, we started making summer sausage and pepperoni, just like Trailer Park Boys. I think I mentioned that before. Uh, I still love pepperoni sticks. You know, they were like Slim Jims, essentially. Um, it, But they would serve us. I mean, one of the best dishes was um, corn and sausage casserole and they take all the old packages of sausage that somehow got you know kicked or half opened or you know thrown through the mud or whatever you know rinse them off and then wow. uh use them in dishes we'd also get chickens because you know the way we did wow. chickens was uh if the chicken was unmarked it became a capon if it was you know not all chickens i mean people don't know this who haven't done meat processing, but not all chickens come back from the eviscerator looking the same. Uh, There's a lot. The reason you have chicken parts is because literally, right. It's all parts. So they'd slice up the chicken into quarters or halves and on the stuff that didn't work, you know, would get thrown to the kitchen and uh, you know, fed to us. And you know what it was, I mean, the meat products were excellent. I gotta say, I, you know, I really, I, I'll eat their sausage if I could, you know, I'd love to have a pound of that great um, non-kosher pork sausage that we used to carry around with us frozen.
1: Yeah. Well, Don Forfire, my good friend and and uh, classmate, he he was a, a master saucer, sausage maker. I think he'd even had a summer job the year before in his local store in, in Manitoba. Um where of course there was a meat counter and, a, and the the owner was uh, a butcher and and enjoyed putting off for it was a largely Ukrainian community there and so he was whipping up all kinds of, of sausage products and so Don became the sausage maker I remember at the school actually showing them how to braid it eh, which was which is quite an art <sighs> um,
0: no braiding is amazing I mean linking uh, sausage I still I have muscle memory about that and uh, I want to say something to James you can't link honey. Okay, you can't.
2: <laughs> well, I was just thinking about that. I mean, I, I'm glad I didn't have to do a lot of the things that you guys did when it came to that. But I mean, the meat products they they sound very interesting. Of course, in Alberta, we we had the honey house, and we went door to door selling honey, five dollars a jar. And, you know, I can still remember most of my script. My favorite sale that I ever did was I you know, knocked on the door and this pretty girl opens the door. And I'm like, hi, my name is James. She's like, no, heard it before. Mom, the honey school is here. And you know, they, they took a couple of jars. Well, there was that time. And then I mean, I was always a pretty consistent seller when it came to the honey. Um, but you know, everybody has a bad day. And I was having a really bad day selling. And uh, the teacher that was driving. uh and, and in no way do I hold this against the man. Uh, I look back at it and I laugh. Um, it was Mark Osborne and, um, I, I, God, I think all morning I'd sold like two jars. That was it. And so he pulled me aside there. We're getting pretty close to lunch. I was kind of hungry. He said, look, you, uh, you got to pick it up here. You got to sell these jars of honey. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's just, in fact, You don't get to eat lunch until you sell those four jars that you're carrying. I go, okay. So, went up next door, knocked on it. Guy opens the door and I said, Hi, my name's James. I'm from St. John's School and we're selling honey today to raise money. And I don't get to eat lunch until I sold all four of these jars that I have. So, when's lunch? I said, Well, whenever I sell these four jars. Well, who said you can't have lunch? Said the bald guy in the car down there. Looks out, whips out 20 bucks, boom, four jars.
1: <laughs>
2: Go and I sat in the car and you know, rather pleased with myself and Mr. Osborne says, "Oh, you got rid of them all? What did you say that was different?" I said the bald guy in the car wasn't going to let me eat until I sold all four. <laughs> you know he he was a little annoyed, but hey, it worked, right? So that that was what we you sold. got the sale of course we had the honey on the tables and uh um you know we had every every meal there was a pot of honey on the on the table you could put it on whatever you wanted
1: pierre i was going to ask you um did you get to to eat uh that jerky or um pepperoni on canoe trips was it did, oh, did hell no. that product get fed into your diet on the canoe trips no
0: no not at all i mean it was a very uh pepperoni was a very big seller uh, right around the uh, people loved it you always sold out a summer sausage and pepperoni uh, we could never make enough but no canoe trip fare was basically hardtack peanut butter honey and if you're in the new boy trip uh, i think it's at grand beach uh they there's film where he goes all right you know grab your hardtack everybody who wants you know honey on this side everybody who wants peanut butter on the other side and literally that's what we were fed I mean you know you you get your hardtack peanut butter honey uh which is actually a really damn good meal from the perspective of I mean I still eat peanut butter all the time like a good Canadian I mean, you know, uh, granted I have to eat American peanut butter. Uh unlike what what's a what's a famous peanut butter brand in Canada? I keep forgetting.
2: Kraft, Skippy, Squirrel? Kraft.
0: Mm. Kraft is I mean that's the yeah, Skippy's American. But mm-hmm. anyway, I still, you know, peanut butter, honey, hardtack, uh, and then whatever the whatever you could make that's in a barrel. Uh yeah. or in a in a bucket. In a bargain, yeah. uh, which goes well with twigs. So stuff like, you know, porridge, uh, they'd have these dehydrated packs that I think you got, Oh, what there was dehydrated, meat product that they'd throw in and, and, uh, we'd spaghetti, a lot of spaghetti with this stuff on it. Um, you know, I mean, they looked out and, and tried to make sure you got enough protein for sure. It just wasn't, uh, very elaborate in those days, right? You had to keep stuff around that, um, that would stay dry number one and um you know was very easy to serve while you were sitting in a canoe and hardtack peanut butter and honey fit the bill
2: see everybody talked like the older boys would talk about hardtack when i went uh what we had they were called uh pilot biscuits and i guess they're basically the same thing but holy christ almighty i couldn't eat one of those now my teeth would come out of my head um rock hard and but same thing you know on the cune trip we'd get uh peanut butter some honey sometimes uh but blocks of cheese as well so we'd get chunks of cheese on there and uh, i i remember those yeah lots of porridge um some sort of stew i think but
1: yeah rice well the thing you forget or you're, you're overlooking or maybe you didn't get it served uh, we would have to eat slices of prem or uh, spam um luncheon <laughs> meat and uh this was the breakfast fair it, it would they would slice it up and uh, I think it sometimes got fried to give it a little bit more of a, make it a little a little more tasty. But uh, it it was it was pretty much as disgusting, uh, but the most disgusting thing that we ate. We also had corned beef, I think, which you can buy in tins, and that was uh, that was more the evening meal. And just thinking about your tea uh, memory, and I really only remember having tea on canoe trips in the big pot bucket um not so much at the school um and i'm guess i'm thinking well we certainly didn't have milk out on the on the on the trail so to speak to put in there so i guess maybe we did have tea at, at the school i we, and and you're definitely right we did never have coffee although there was always a a a, a big pot percolating on the stove for the staff and grade 12 I, maybe i don't remember that that was probably a perk that was introduced uh, in the 70s and i'm sure by the 80s uh you guys had your own coffee room and uh uh, you know it was uh, fully catered or something the equivalent (laughs) anyway
2: well i
0: neglected to say that the uh you know i said milk but let's qualify that it was powdered milk (laughs) okay
2: two things big difference Um, I had powdered milk for the first six months I was there and then we went, we had actual milk in, in the big, uh, yeah, the big 20 liter, um, boxes and, you know, with the dispenser. So, but I did experience powdered milk and bam, that was nasty. Um, and, and coffee as students, we didn't get coffee. Um, the staff and I guess the grade 12s got their coffee, but I have a funny coffee story one of the alumni's parents, Mr. Dan Hunter, he he came in and he barked at one of the new boys who was like just, I think, a grade seven. And Dan Hunter, the great big bear of a man, and he's like, where's the coffee? So he goes and he pours the coffee and takes a sip and declares it unfit for human consumption. He says, I'm going to show you how to make coffee, boy. and you know, so it was one of those big colandrons that you, you see at, you know, like bingos and stuff like that, eh? And Dan Hunter proceeds to make this coffee and pours it into the cup when it's done and the bottom melts out of the cup, basically. It's, that's, well, that's coffee. Great. Well, then one of the other parents came up and this was a smaller parent who you know, is used to perhaps decaf and pours a cup of this and takes a sip, and they nearly died, right? Like they're all oh my God. so Keith McKay starts dumping some water into there, and Dan Hunter's like, McKay, what are you doing to that coffee? Dan, it's too strong. You're gonna kill somebody with this. <laughs> Oh, he's he's stomped off. It was uh That's the only coffee memory I have from St. John's because I don't drink this stuff. It's nasty. Do you guys
0: did you guys have to pick anything uh, for your food like they would farm us out uh, to a local um, potato farmer to do the harvest? And we in return, we'd get like, you know, potatoes for the year. So we got a lot of potatoes. Um, um and that potato I don't know if you guys have ever farmed potatoes or big potatoes. Yeah, but it's hard work. Well, of yeah. course, everything was hard
1: work,
2: but well, yeah. Coral field was uh actually a potato field. It was our potato field, and oh. uh you know they had they had somebody who would come by and um run through, and then we'd spend a day, like an entire day picking potatoes and, and, uh, and then they went, we had a a bunker for them and that's where they were stored. So yeah, we, we grew our own potatoes and picked them in the fall. Do you guys ever
0: have corn fritters? That was popular for us. Uh, they'd make corn, corn fritters or little, uh, balls of, uh, cornmeal or you know that are thrown in uh, the fryer, and then you eat them with uh, syrup. Those were good.
2: Maybe I mean this is... going back over thirty years. Yeah. The,
1: the thing I got to say about well, about uh, the the chickens, the meat birds that that we raised, is that it there was a twenty or thirty year gap. But I have been raising my own meat birds for at least. 30 years now and uh, it, it's it's an amazing product and and you really appreciate how superior well first of all you you know what where it's been raised and and how it was what it was uh, what it was eating throughout its life but it's it's an amazingly superior product and i think that's what we were raising in the school it was pretty good and and serving or selling to the households of uh, winnipeg uh, for all those years i assume right up until the farm program lasted right till the end of the Selkirk school. Um, I have no reason to believe it wouldn't, uh, even though in, in Alberta you were never allowed to, to go door-to-door with meat products. That was my understanding, even if they were frozen.
0: What the hell's wrong with Alberta? Why won't they let you go door-to-door with you know frozen meat products? I guess maybe in Alberta they had a chance of thawing.
2: <laughs> well uh different regulations uh yeah we the only thing we ever did was was the honey mm-hmm. this was discussed and and it was it was government regulation and i the, you know what you're right pierre It was it was probably the the fact that it could thaw out or you know there because the last thing you want to do is start an e-coli outbreak Details. Yeah.
0: Details. 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 Yeah. Well,
1: you're making me hungry here, boys.
0: <laughs> me too. I want. Uh, I'm gonna. I need corn fritters. I gotta find where the hell those are made now. I need a deep fryer or something. You know, get my calories on.
2: <laughs> I had a great breakfast memory. One of the one of the teachers there, uh, Colin Belton, uh, a short British man, great sense of humor, and you know, introduced himself. As you know, day one, he was I'm not an ogre yet. First time my mom saw him, she's like, My God, that man is a hobbit. Um, but uh you, you know, he, he's one of my favorite teachers there as well. And going through the um breakfast line, it was a weekend, and so you had your, you know, he he said, How do you want your egg? Do you want it scrambled, fried, or smashed? and and everybody, you know, most were fried. There's a couple that wanted it scrambled. And uh, so I got up there and I said, he said, Weichel, how do you want your egg? Scrambled, fried, or smashed? I said, uh, I'd like you to smash that, sir. And I was the only one who said he wanted a smashed egg. And just the joy on his face as he turned around with one of those great big restaurant spatulas and smashed that egg into oblivion, you know the people in the line kind of jumped and i laughed and you know my egg was cooked that was all that mattered
0: i worked as a fry cook in university um you know right after saint john's i i uh i would make at people eggs for breakfast and i always worked the morning shift because you know i'd run the grill and do all the eggs for literally you know whoever came in to eat My favorite trick was uh, asking the person, do you want them, you know, easy or medium? And then just hand them whatever plate
1: I happen to have. (laughs) (laughs) Custom cooked, eh, Pierre? (laughs) Uh,
0: You know what? I never got any complaints. At least they were fresh.
1: Yeah. Smashed uh, smashed means scrambled without any milk and da-da-da-da-da. It's kind of what, it's just an egg all messed up in the frying pan.
2: You know, one of the things about the kitchen program, because, of course, as students, we basically operated all facets of the kitchen, and they had a few people who were the paid staff, at least for me, when I was there, like our cook, and we had a maintenance guy and, and that. But um, you know, you said, Pierre, after you were at St. John's, you were cooking in a restaurant. Well, I, I worked the dishwasher at St. At John's, and what we had was one of the big industrial ones, so... I knew how to operate this and I I knew the ins and outs of it. So when I went and I actually applied for jobs, I, you know, yeah, I was a dish pig for a while because of the experience that I had at St. John's and that really served me well. It also served me well when at one of my dishwashing jobs, we ran out of the powdered soap that you put in there. And so the manager hands me a jug of liquid soap and she says, use this. I'm like, no 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 this is a bad idea it'll work i'm like no it doesn't work and i knew it didn't work because we had done this at saint john's and if you don't know what i'm talking about is with the big industrial dishwashers where you lift the doors up and down if you use the wrong kind of soap in there if it doesn't call for the um the actual liquid soap if you just put regular like Dawn or Palm Olive or whatever, you put that in there, what you're going to get is all of the bubbles in the world. So she said, no, just use it. It'll be fine. I'm like, okay, but it ain't going to work. So I poured some of the soap in there, shut the door, the cycle starts, and my dish area, which was fairly large, is like filling up with soap. And she comes back, what the hell did you do? I said, I told you this wasn't going to work. And, of course, it was all my fault. And they finally went and did what I initially had suggested and borrowed a barrel of soap from the restaurant across the parking lot. But, you know, that that was something that I took from my experience at St. John's and I was able to use it in a very real sense was, you know, do I know how to operate a dishwasher? Yes, I do.
0: That, you know, good story. Uh, So, you know, we sort of need to wrap it up, folks. and. because of time. Uh, but I wanna, as a closing thought, I wonder if each of you could give me, you know, your ideal meal at St. John's, like time, place, and what the hell was there? And, you know, let's start with the uh with the eldest.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny how it comes back to the the snowshoe day. Uh, Wednesday afternoon and then Wednesday evening. And of course, you know, I I, I earlier referred, referenced the, the roast beef dinner, which was was fabulous. Um, but when you got back to the school, the cook had really laid it on. I mean, he knew we were going to be starving. And um, I think it was almost always a pot of chili uh, waiting for us, um, which was really popular but then he would he would make dinner rolls and or or some you know i i know he always went over overboard that way and then i don't think he ever made his his signature piece was were his cinnamon buns and they were absolutely out of this world but i don't think he did it for that but he would do other things like uh, apple turnovers and um i'm not sure other pastries i don't think it would ever be pie but it would always be these individual serving things that you could pick up in your hand and, and eat um and i guess probably hot chocolate something like that we didn't have tea or coffee but it it was a, it was just a, a fabulous um kind of homey kind of feeling meal that really filled you up and and <laughs> Uh, and always tasted good. And I, I would say that because it was, he always did something extra and there was always lots of it, that that would remain one of the best meals of of the year, really, uh, well, through the, through the season anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to piggyback on what you said because I agree, except when I, you know, coming off a snowshoe run, uh, you're hungry as hell. Yeah. And uh, I was also... You know, one always, except for the races, one of the last people to walk back into the building. Um, <clears throat> you know, being slow, maybe. Uh, but the dirty burgers, the I'm just gonna use another trailer park term, the cheeseburgers, the piles of cheeseburgers. You felt like wimpy, where you you could just like you had all these burgers, right? You could just eat. And the pile of that, I'll never forget. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no feeling like, you know, stuffing yourself after 25 miles and 40 below weather.
1: I Pierre, I have to say, I don't think I was ever served a hamburger uh, at any time during my six years at the school. It must have been something that came along, evolved as a, an easy fix and an easy meal to make and 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 a good one.
0: Well, it's the American influence, clearly. I mean, the Americans F things up, as we always do. And, you know, as we came in, uh, you're lucky that we didn't start serving poutine, I guess. Of course, when you when I left Canada and when you were going, poutine didn't exist. But that's another
1: we digress. Podcast.
0: We digress. And Crazy James, how about you to close this out? What's your, you know, what do you remember? What's your best
2: meal? You know it, it's it's hard to remember specific individual meals but like you guys i remember the night before our snowshoe race we had a great big steak dinner Ooh. yeah and uh like i said i went there after you guys i'm the beneficiary of all of your suffering um So like we'd we'd get a steak and I'm pretty sure there must've been potatoes and vegetables and stuff with that. I was quite lucky because my mom had come to, well, she was going to take me home after the race the next day and mom didn't eat lots. So I got half of her steak too. Uh, Wow. But uh, like, as far as an individual meal, that's what I remember. Like I know we did the orders of good cheer and you know, there's various meals here and there that but if i think of a meal at saint john's it's the steak dinner that we had
1: the night before Mm. the uh snowshoe race Mm. yeah and and you're saying parents were invited or part of that or were able to attend the meal or yeah the 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 night before and
2: that Mm. they they came and uh because you know the next day we'd go out on our little jaunt and and then Mm and then go home for five days or so it was our our winter break
0: wow i mean i'm the
2: beneficiary
0: well you guys had a lot more cattle in alberta than (sighs) manitoba you know maybe they might have gotten some uh, prairie dogs for
1: us
0: (laughs) well with that thank you very much for your time everybody and uh i have to you know i'll do it one more time This podcast is possible only through um, your purchase of Richard's book, Toughest School in North America, which is available exclusively on Amazon, Kindle, or printed. Uh, It's a great book. Uh, It's got a lot, you know, every review is five stars.
2: And with that, uh, we hope to see you next week. Thanks, everybody.